Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have details on the latest Protein Industries Canada announcements. Also, we'll chat with the Canadian Agricultural Safety Association. And up first in today's country comment, food professor Dr. Sylvain Charlebois will join us to talk about the BC flooding and trade routes to the West. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is food professor Dr. Sylvain Charlebois at Dalhousie University to talk about the BC flooding and trade routes to the West. There are only a few options, and I think for the longest time we've been wondering how to develop proper corridors and gateways to the West for many, many years, for many decades. We had a Europe centric global economy and uh, and so the St. Lawrence Seaway did serve our economy well eastward uh, but I don't think we've ever actually thought seriously about developing uh, proper gateways and corridors west uh, there's been some investments here and there and there's been some efforts uh, by by past governments but but now because of climate change because of the challenges that we're facing uh, I, I think uh, I think we need to revisit how we can actually make uh, our food supply chains uh, more resilient for um, for the flow of goods uh, going in and out of the country. You mentioned the St. Lawrence Seaway. Just talk about how well that works. Well, I mean, there's no cheaper way to move products. Uh, on water, it's just so cheap and so efficient. So, uh, of course, you may actually run into some incidences like the Suez Canal, but overall... Things do work well, and uh, and so we we have been spoiled by the St. Lawrence Seaway out east, and uh, and so that's why we kind of have to think about developing a St. Lawrence Seaway westward towards uh, both the Van- the port of Vancouver and uh, Prince Rupert, and Prince Rupert is actually the third mo- busiest port in the country as a result of the business th- that we generate. Uh, uh, dealing with Asia, and uh, so Montreal is number two. Halifax is not even in the top three, just because of how busy Asia is. And so Asia has been good for our economy, and we need to support. Uh, in order to do even better in the future, we need to, and support our farmers out west. We need to think about uh, you know making sure that uh, that floodings and heat waves don't really impact um, the flow of goods. With the uh, BC disaster, talk about the timing and, and the impact on farmers. Well, it's just been devastating, obviously. Uh, I think everyone has seen uh, images uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, especially in the Fraser Valley. Uh, hopefully, farmers will get back into it as soon as possible. These are intensive uh, production facilities with, uh, with dairy, eggs, and poultry and uh and also you want to uh you want to make sure that they're they're back on on track now that being said of course you have to think about the railway system as well um so cp is is having some issues there and hopefully we'll get back into it so we can actually move grains the it, this disaster is not is not happening uh well it's certainly not a, it's it's never a good time to actually see these disasters happening uh, but um, but really, uh, you want you want to make sure 
that the the grains, the harvest that actually came out of the prairies this year, which is very very modest, actually comes through because uh, unfortunately farmers actually don't have uh, as ma- as much product to sell compared to past years. That was food professor Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. The 2022 Seed Manitoba Guide is now available. Here is editor Anne Kirk. Data comes from a, a few different sources. The first source is the Trials, so the Manitoba Crop Variety Evaluation Team puts together trials for uh, cereals, uh, peas, and flax. And then we also have data donated from the Manitoba Corn Committee for corn, uh, from Manitoba Crop Alliance for sunflowers, and for the canola performance trials for canola, and the Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers for soybeans. 2022 marks the 30th anniversary of the Seed Manitoba Guide. And Canada's Outstanding Young Farmers virtual national event takes place later this week. Manitoba's honorees are Andre and Katie Stepler of Stepler Farms in Miami. It's going to be a modified event uh, as a result of the world that we're living in right now, but there's going to be competitors all across Canada that will meet in Saskatoon, and we will share a story and, and go for the top honours. Stepler Farms is a third-generation family farm specializing in sustainable honey, grain, and cattle farming. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Monday, November 29th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll chat with Rob Gobey with Canadian Agricultural Safety Association. The Canadian Agricultural Safety Association is reminding farmers about the dangers of grain entrapment. Rob Gobey is an agricultural health and safety specialist. Well, the main reason for a producer to go into a a grain bin in the first place is because their grain is out of condition. So when your grain is out of condition, um, due to uh, fluctuations in temperature and humidity, that can cause your grain to go out of condition. So when it goes out of condition, it uh, tends to crust up on the surface. It'll scale up on the side walls. It'll column. It'll bridge over. And uh, often what happens is when they're going to uh, load a truck, for example, and take their product to market, um, if their grain is out of condition, it won't flow properly in their movement systems. So um, it'll chunk up. It'll clog. And then... You know, out of frustration, often people go into these situations, and unfortunately, we know what the uh, ultimate result could be. Yeah, and I guess just talk about, you know, what can happen when a farmer does enter a bin. Well, there's uh, definitely some uh, hazards uh, associated with bin entry. So, for the sake of saying it, uh, a grain bin is a confined space. Uh, that's something that we often overlook, and uh, any confined space, um, there's certain procedures and protocols that need to be followed. Number one, don't work alone. Always have a spotter on the outside of the grain bin when you enter that is knowledgeable in how to power down your equipment and uh, initiate an emergency response. Now, by saying that... <laughs> Um, that does not include going into the bin. We never encourage that spotter to enter the bin to initiate a rescue. That is for the trained professionals to do. Flowing grain uh, behaves much like quicksand. 
So as long as the product is flowing and moving, uh, a person or an object will think in that flowing green. Um, so the reverse does apply. If it's not uh, flowing, you can walk on top of it rel- relatively easily. You'll sink a little bit, you know, four to six inches probably, depending on the type of product, but you're not going to sink out of sight unless there's a void underneath the surface, which was part of those hazards of uh, the un- the green that's out of condition. Now, is there is there safety equipment that uh, should be worn, like a harness, or is there other types of equipment that um, a farmer should use if entering a bin? Yes. Um, we'd always uh, encourage using fall protection equipment, you know, your standard harness and lifeline uh, lanyard situation. Uh, hooked up to, of course, a, a solid anchor point. Um, also, before entry, we'd want to ensure that the air quality is, is uh, okay to enter. Uh, when the grain does go out of condition, there could be uh, poor air quality uh, in the way of low oxygen levels, which could also uh, make someone or, or put someone in danger. And uh, Rob, talk a little bit more about the, the rescue process, you know, what, um, how that should, should be done. Going with that bystander uh, situation, when the entrant to the bin gets into trouble, the bystander would initiate uh, your standard 911 call, let them know what is happening. We'd want to first power down the equipment, so turn off the uh, conveyor, the auger, close the chutes, and stop that flow from uh, occurring. And then next we'd want to lock out the uh, equipment so that uh, rescue can take place safely without uh, a risk of equipment starting up again. And then um, from that point, the entrant, I mean, sorry, the uh, bystander, they would just um, monitor the person that's in the bin, talk to them, reassure them that help is on the way, and uh, do what they can to, uh, you know, ease the stress of the situation. You know, something that I've seen at Egg Days, and I know it's been around Manitoba, but there's the uh, Bee Grain Safe, the, the rescue trailer, the training there. Um, talk a little bit about that, and I know there's a, a rescue tube involved in that as well to, to help get the, uh, the person out of the green. Yeah, correct, Corey. Um, so the um, rescue tube and auger situation is uh, some of the equipment that is used for the firefighters to uh, safely extricate the victim from the grain itself. So they, what they do is they enter the bin, they assemble this coffer dam around the victim, and then um, they insert this small uh, pencil logger that is powered with a, a cordless drill, and uh, then they remove the grain from the inside of the coffer dam. And then what that does is it, it frees the, uh, the victim from the contents of the grain, and then they can be safely extricated under ideal conditions anyway. Yeah, going back to our Be Grain Safe trailer, uh, we're super proud. This year's been a really busy year on the firefighter training. Uh, so what we have this mobile unit for is uh, awareness and training purposes, but... Uh, it's mostly used for training. Um, 
this year we've done 19 trainings in different locations all across the prairies. And uh, I believe to date we've trained a total of 454 firefighters just this year alone. So it's something that we're really proud of. There's actually been, uh, not this year, but in a previous year, there's been a successful uh, rescue as well with uh, someone that's taken our training. So, um, you know, we're really happy that uh, the awareness factor is increasing and there's more trained first responders to uh, deal with these situations. That was Rob Gobey with the Canadian Agricultural Safety Association. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Canada's Outdoor Farm Show is hosting an online event December 1st entitled What a Year, a Celebration of Egg Innovation. You can go to outdoorfarmshow.com. The Farm Forum Learn and Grow event takes place virtually this year, December 7th. Visit the Farm Forum website for details. Keystone Agricultural Producers is hosting annual district meetings December 7th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. This will be done virtually. Go to the CAP website. The Manitoba Egg Museum near Austin is hosting a winter wonderland December 10th to the 12th and 17th to the 19th from 4 to 8 p.m. Entry fee is $10 per family or $2.50 per person. Proof of vaccination for guests age 12 and up is required. And the Canadian Forage and Grassland Association's annual conference is planned for December 14th to the 16th in an online setting. Details at CanadianFGA.ca. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon, Protein Industries Canada made another project announcement this morning. Here's CEO Bill Gruel. This is our third announcement in as many weeks. And uh, it, it's great, and I'm excited to be returning to in-person announcements and meeting with our members. You know, it's been a very trying 18 months for Canada's agri-food sector. We've witnessed a lot of supply chain disruptions from shortages of food staples at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, and the more recent transportation interruptions caused by flooding in BC. And these challenges serve as reminders that a robust ingredient and food manufacturing sector is necessary to ensure a vibrant and resilient economy and how important it is to have a reliable and consistent access to healthy, safe and nutritious food. Luckily for Canadians and the millions of consumers globally that rely on Canada and Canadian ingredients and food products, we take that responsibility very seriously. Canada is helping lead the food revolution, and we play a critical role in the global agri-food supply chain. As a country, we're a very important net exporter of food, and further building Canada's plant-based food, feed, and ingredient sector can help address some of the greatest challenges the agri-food sector is facing today, such as food security, climate change, sustainability, and human health. To do that, we need to continue to invest in the growth and ingredients uh, and the food processing sector in Canada, which brings me to today's announcement. Together, Protein Industries Canada, YoFit, Avena Foods, and Roquette Canada are investing 1.75 million to tackle technical challenges in formulating novel plant-based food products, including milk, 
dairy, and other packaged goods that will offer today's consumers the taste, texture, convenience, nutritional content, and functionality that they demand. The project is a great example of the power of collaborative innovation. Here, we have two different ingredient processors, Avena Foods and Roquette Canada, who are creating ingredients from sustainably grown Canadian crops, working together with YoFit, a startup SME food processor, to create new healthy food right here in Canada. You know, it was just over a year ago that we announced projects led by Avena Foods and Roquette Canada to develop novel ingredients from Canadian crops. And that research has led to many new partners, including today's project with YoFit. This demonstrates the power of collaborative innovation and the growth of Canada's plant-based food ecosystem. The outcomes of this project, adding value to Canadian crops, creating new ingredients, creating jobs and strengthening our domestic supply chain, all in a collaborative manner, is why Protein Industries Canada was created. So I would like to thank these three organizations for their work, and I'm excited to see and taste the new products once they are commercialized. That was Bill Gruel. He's the CEO with Protein Industries Canada. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Canada's outstanding young farmers will be celebrated during a virtual event taking place later this week. Manitoba's honorees are Andre and Katie Stepler of Stepler Farms in Miami. It's just an honor to be able to go and represent Manitoba and just highlight the importance of agriculture in Canada. And it's one of the events where we can get together and celebrate it and, and share our stories. Stepler Farms is a third-generation family farm specializing in sustainable honey, grain, and cattle farming. And 2022 marks the 30th anniversary of the Seed Manitoba Guide. Here's editor Ann Kirk. Something new on the guide this year is forage trials. So forage trials were conducted in the past, but it's been a number of years since they were um, last done by the Nicolet Committee. So this year we did an annual forage trial at four locations. We were looking at a variety of annual crops that farmers would cut for forage, so things like oats, barley, peas, millet, sorghum, Sudan grass. So we were looking at those, um, you know, to see the general growth characteristics, biomass yields, and quality. I think it's great that we have forages back in the seed bed, and obviously um, annual forages being um, fairly good for water usage are becoming, um, you know, of interest to a lot of animal producers. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll talk about the increasing price of canola. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.